female living space. A podcast about spas. Welcome to Male Living Space, a podcast about Sparks. I'm Gib Christensen, and I love the band Sparks. I'm Jamie Ogihara, and I don't know one single thing about the band Sparks. And together, we're dissecting this seminal brotherly band's complete body of work, one album at a time. Last month, we talked about the ill-fated record Terminal Jive, a record so meh that it turned both me and Jamie into full-on pitchfork writers. I think my middle name is now Handlebar, and I have a lot of neutral milk hotel opinions out of nowhere. So get ready for that. And I have a lot of opinions about jazz that are definitely outside of my depth as both a writer (laughs) and a thinker. So, yeah, suffice to say, both of us were very underwhelmed by the record, and we're very hopeful for the next one being sort of a a turnaround, uh, a fix for their mistakes. Mainly the kind of lack of usual lyrical finesse and standout tracks. It kind of was blending more and more into just generic club stuff still had its moments for sure but us critics pretty much everyone could agree even ron and russell that it was kind of just a phoned in we had to make something kind of record very asleep at the keyboard and so now they've returned with whomp that sucker the book talent is an asset details a much more light-hearted recording process than terminal jive which was very phoned in everyone's bored everyone no one's really passionate the sort of bond between ron russell and Giorgio Moroder isn't quite what they expected or isn't quite as tight and agreeing for one thing Russell has gone on to say that it turns out Giorgio wasn't super into how much time they would spend specifically on writing the song. He really wanted all the focus to be on the beat and like how danceable everything is, which worked for a bit, but it, it was just kind of walking over their style and what was kind of making them special. So this time around, they still got an assistant of Giorgio, but not the same one for Terminal Jive. And this person seemed to really click with them a lot more. Suddenly there's a lot more joking, more just chill hanging out. It felt a lot less like work. Overall, just a fun time. It also got them in touch with a new long-term collaborator for their album covers. The really funny cover for this one, where Ron's knocking Russell out in a boxing ring, is the start of their relationship with Larry Vigon. Vigon? Probably mispronouncing. V-I-G-O-N. Vigon. Vigon. So his specific vision was just to really amplify how much of a sort of cartoony comedic duo Ron and Russell were, even just from a visual standpoint. So he wanted to really hit that home like it was almost a poster for like a cheesy cartoon, like these brothers walloping each other, these two goofballs, skinny mustache man and a dandy trying to box. Even the word womp in the title seems to suggest a sort of cartoon onomatopoeia. Yeah, exactly. It feels very like Adam West Batman. Absolutely. And I think that's perfect for how the music turned out. Womp That Sucker is much more lively, much more colorful, much wackier, much more of that distinct, really wordy, but still very like silly and like fun, stupid kind of vibe that I've come to know and love the band for. So, without further ado, because there, there really wasn't any production drama or anything, it just sounded like smooth sailing overall. Perfectly frictionless. A perfectly frictionless album, like a punch to the face, but you know, tender 
A womp to the thing. Oh. <laughs> so now we can move on to me and Jamie's Sparks Book Report. Every month, every episode, we try to do a one-paragraph quick review from each of our unique perspectives on the album before diving deep into our top and bottom three tracks. Jamie, would you like to start? I'm very curious with how you think about this album. Oh, certainly. This is Jamie's Sparks Book Report on 1981's Womp That Sucker. It may have taken a full decade of trial and error, but on Womp That Sucker, Sparks finally found their sweet spot with a collection of tracks that are not only often witty, but also well-constructed songs, which make for pleasurable listening material. This is the most Ron has been able to flex his songwriting muscles since 1975's Introducing, whether that be on Funny Face, a riotous masterclass in pop irony, or Don't Shoot Me, which doesn't hold back with its digs at pathetic big game hunters. With all that being said, a grand paradox lies at the heart of the album. While this is the most musically comfortable and least restless Sparks has sounded in a while, the combination of muscular mid-paced grooves and electronic piano pounding now feels strangely dated. By hearkening back to the blissful sound of 1973's propaganda on tracks like I Married a Martian and Susie Safety, choices that once felt ahead of their time suddenly feel too safe. The atonal collage that ends That's Not Nastasia is a reminder of Sparks' prankish instincts, but that too feels like an echo of a past success, namely the unsettling extended fade-out from Achu. And yet, if returning to starting position is what it takes for the Mail Brothers to seek new sonic territories once again, as I suspect it does, that would be one more reason to be grateful for Womp That Sucker. Nice. Very cool. All right. Beat that. <laughs> Womp that. <laughs> Womp that, idiot. <laughs> We're going to bring Womp back into the fold. <laughs> now it's time for yeah. Gib Christensen's Sparks Book Report on their 1981 album, Womp That Sucker. If Terminal Jive is a sucker, then this new album womps the hell out of it. <laughs> Unhappy with the production process of the last couple records, the males return to their true form. Womp That Sucker is packed with lyrical content, wild rhythms, and some of the strangest and interesting vocals from Russell ever in songs like Wacky Woman and Upstairs. Others like I Married a Martian bring back the band's signature storytelling and sense of humor. Sparks went Devo with this record, and pun intended, it really whipped it back into shape. The synths are no longer pillowy backdrops for moody dance tracks. Now the beep boops are aggressive and combine with louder drums for a fascinating combo. Overall, Womp That Sucker is a complete 180 for Sparks and continues the trend of the males learning from past mistakes through experimentation rather than just settling on what's proven to work. Ron's not asleep at the keys anymore and Russell's ready to do more funny dances. It's a good old time if you're not a sucker. <laughs> that is so interesting <laughs> that you thought that this album is experimental for Sparks. Thank you. I think it's it's not so much instrumentally, but really just about Russell's singing. Because I feel like usually in older ones, when he's trying to flex, it's just high notes. And that can work. It can be really cool. But as you've said, something like that can get a bit repetitive if that's all he's doing to brag. It's just high note, high note, high note, and sometimes just really grating high note. But this, it's like um, stuff like Upstairs, him putting on this very Mark Mothersbaugh Devo rattle, like inhuman thing is, I just thought, so interesting and out of nowhere. Yeah. And a, a really cool, fun jump from the very middle-of-the-road performance of Terminal Jive. Yeah, very non-committal. Yeah, very non-committal. And now with this, they just kind of remembered, oh, we're a very wacky, weird band. Why aren't we being wacky and weird? Now, 
when we when me and Jamie do our Sparks book reports, we also like to rank each other's reports on our patented Ignitometer, because this is a podcast about Sparks. Therefore, the scale in which everything is measured has to be based on items which ignite and produce Sparks. So, Jamie, your report was great. Uh, I already said that, but also, I really appreciate how you phrased, I wouldn't say if it's like issues with the record, but how some of it can feel a bit more of like a step back or settling into like even older ways. Because I hadn't thought about that too much, except for uh, one of the tracks. I definitely noticed that with Anastasia. It's a very Achoo-like similarities. It, it kind of made me realize that right away, but not in a way where it's like, oh, I like this album less now. It's like, oh yeah, that is, that is true. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Well, but I guess I, I could have used maybe some specific quotes from the lyrics. I mean, I th- think I could have also put that in mind, too. We've both commented on how the lyrics are really witty and everything again. But yeah, some examples would probably be cool. And uh, that's really the only nitpick I can make. So I'm just going to give it a bad toaster. Parentheses, idiot sticks knife and toaster. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess I put the name of, of our sound effect source in our group document. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gib, I felt like your book report was overwhelmingly positive, and it had me thinking, wow, this must be a high point for him as far as listening to Sparks. It feels like it's an album he goes back to a lot. It feels like it's one that he's going to have a really glowing opinion of. And so you got that fandom across extraordinarily well. I do Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of the gushing (laughs) comes after the relative disappointment of Terminal Jive, the equivalent of going wild for a Domino's pizza after all you've had is freezer pizza for a year. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) So I'm worried that the perspective is warped a little bit by some bad food. But I gotta say, hearing you being so positive about the record and f- finding a way to bring the word "womp" into the first sentence and then "sucker" into the last one—well, I was just really, really impressed, and I'm in oh. great admiration of it. It's going to be a bad toaster for me as well. Congratulations! <laughs> oh, thank you. We're both idiots sticking knives and toasters. well we are the toaster who punishes the idiot yeah i think i I definitely agree with you reflecting on that it very much is just kind of a response to the last and not like a individual review of the record so right on with that i definitely agree but i didn't catch the devo comparison earlier that made me oh yeah that was interesting to me that you uh, brought up that point of comparison it seems like kind of the obvious analog to sparks these sort of artsy brothers who start off in the early days of punk or even proto-punk and then get their hands on a fancy electronic music machine yeah that's exactly i think that's definitely a huge part of why i like it it's just there's that fun again it's much more of like a a fun record yeah and i really wanted to put that into my report that sort of return to energy this very wacky like kind of thing it's a grand old time though i think that this record predates devo yes or no no the first devo records were in the late 70s and they had already released whip it 
by this point. Right. Okay. So yeah, I think it very much calls back to that, especially in songs like Upstairs, where the synths are kind of stiff. Like I can really picture Ron angrily jabbing the keys every once in a while, like Turner. It's very herky jerky. Is Upstairs one of your top three tracks? It is. That brings us to our next segment, me and Jamie's top three tracks of Womp That Sucker. And I guess I've already started, so I'll go with mine. My top three are Upstairs, The Willies, and Wacky Woman. Ooh! (laughs) My top three tracks. Oh my god. (laughs) My top three tracks. Oh, this is going to be interesting. On Womp That Sucker are Tips for Teens, The Willies, and Funny Face. Ooh. As I'm sure you can tell, this is much more of uh, like a classic Sparks album scenario where it's more of a struggle to put stuff in the bottom three for me and be like, what do I really dislike? Mm-hmm. And so both Tips for Teens and Funny Face, I love a lot, but I have to admit a big chunk of it is I love their music videos. Mm-hmm. Again, there's that vigorous whomp of more energy added to this record, and you can feel it between <laughs> the brothers, this whomp! <laughs> yes, all this wampin' circumstance. All this all this wampin' circumstance is messing with my wampador. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and womp it. Louder <laughs> But anyway, let, let's let's start with the ones we have in common. The Willies. A sort of monster mash esque <laughs> sort of song. <laughs> I don't know why that killed me, but, um, God, that's so dead on. It really does have Monster Mash energy. Right, with, like, the spooky little build-up at the beginning. Oh, my God. The fact that it seems to be based around, like, an imaginary dance craze. So, perfect that we picked this one, perfect that we have in common, because The Willies is not just one, but one of two long takes for this episode. I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. I mean, I've read about it. Oh my goodness, you've had all of this time, but now you're springing two long takes on us. Exactly, I've had all this time to get even dumber. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, I know, you've been whomping the books. You're you're a smart cookie. (laughs) So, first I'll, I'll explain to people new to the show, or even just fairly new. The long take is my desperate attempt every month to try to get famous actor and celebrity and star of critically acclaimed film, not movie, accepted, Justin Long. (laughs) Basically what I do is I just try to find a song in each record that I think could soundtrack a Justin Long movie. And so, to start, I'll go with The Willies. Justin Long plays two characters in this terrible 2000s romp where Melvin, a dorky nerd that likes comic books and slinkies, gets coached by his older brother Coop on how to get chicks and beat the willies. Melvin's never even sat next to a girl, let alone talked, but Coop's got hair gel, chain wallets, and a Sum 41 CD. Watch Melvin go from zero to bureau this summer in Beat the Willies, directed by Judd Apatow at gunpoint. <laughs> that is great. I'm a little surprised that both of them aren't named Willie. <laughs> well, the, the Willies is what the older brother tells Melvin is the condition he's got that makes it so he can't talk to girls. He's got these Melvins in his. He's got nice Melvins. He's got the. He's got these Willies in his stomach, and so he's got to beat the Willies by being cool. Okay, so the willies are kind of these mischievous 
prankish micro-demon. Exactly. Now, it's up to you if they're also played by Justin, and if we're just going to further him playing everybody in this movie, or we could get, like, a celebrity who's bored enough to do a little bit of facial capture. I think it should be a very famous Willie. It should be, like, William H. Macy. Or Willie Nelson. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love the line, it, it must have been that lunch meat. <laughs> Again, really weird vocal deliveries from Russell. I don't know how to describe what thing he's doing, but I've never heard him do it before for the willies. Like you said, this Halloween novelty record cartoon voice, like he's the host of something. Yeah! <laughs> you can imagine it showing up as, like, Trek 18 on a spooky songs to get your party started mix or something. Oh, hell yeah, they got the willies? Ah, oh, I loved the willies as a kid. Yeah, oh my god. It's like right after Werewolves of London. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other specific comments about the willies? I don't know if you remember when we were in college, but we used to do a bit about a mid-20th century biopic for you where you had a dance craze called The Kick. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we had the little song for it. It's like, come on and do the kick. <laughs> and that was everything I was thinking about when I heard the Willies. I love the idea of songs that are attached to fake dance crazes. It's a very fun concept. It's a very creative concept. And I usually dunk on Sparks for their retro pastiches being a little undercooked, with the exception sure. of Over the Summer. And even Over the Summer is mm -hmm. not my favorite Sparks song. But this is the best instance I can think of so far where Sparks has been able to channel a sound from their childhood and make it their own. It was really exciting to hear for the first time. And that hook is appropriately, incredibly catchy, just yeah. like those novelty dance records made them out to be, like the Twist or the Madison or anything of that Yeah, caliber. it very much has Twist energy. Yeah. If Russell hosted like a performance TV show or just did a TV performance of the willies what is he wearing i'm trying to think what is the outfit for the willies are we talking about the decade that is the 80s or are we talking about the decade of the late 50s early 60s where these songs were popular like a 50s and 60s type yeah like if he was actually from this era oh okay so it would be a pretty standard dark gray suit but it would have these little flip up paper ghosts and ghouls on the shoulders <laughs> So you'd see the little cardboard claw <laughs> up on the shoulder and the ghost head, like, poking up from behind the neck. <laughs> Ron's, for some reason, got, like, a Phantom of the Opera thing going in the background. He's got a mask covering half his face. Yeah, he's definitely has the mask covering half his face and, like, a long silk <laughs> cape that's getting in the way of the bassist and he's, like, trying to get his Cuban boot <laughs> off of the cape. Oh, that's great. Yeah, such a fun track. I would then like to move on to my other long take, and we've already talked a little bit about this track, It's Upstairs, what I called very Devo-y and, and delivery and herky-jerky energy. Upstairs, it's... <laughs> Again, Justin Long is playing himself and multiple characters, but one more. This is actually a sequel to Beating the Willies. So there's actually a third brother... Oh. Okay. A third nerdy scientist brother, Egghead. <laughs> it's Melvin, Coop, and Egghead? All on their birth certificates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I love it. And Egghead decides, Egghead just recently saw the movie Weird Science, and they make the perfect woman, but then it turns out, it, actually, it's all a big dream. It's all upstairs in his head. It's, it's a really cheap twist. So, again, it's like the first one, it's a bad movie. It's sort of just, I'm pitching essentially two Norbits for Justin Long. <laughs> I think that's really what I'm getting down to here. The plot isn't important about either of these. I'm just pitching two Norbits. Released like the last two Matrixes. What I like about the possibility of Upstairs is finally cashing in on the fight clubbiness of beating the willies. <laughs> yeah. Coop has been designed by Egghead to help Melvin through the hardest parts of his childhood. He never existed. Exactly. And I'm sure Justin Long plays the, the the dad as well. Maybe we can do a little bit better than that, because as much as I love the idea of Justin Long in old age makeup, I also love the idea of a very young actor playing <laughs> Justin Long's father. <laughs> I'm thinking like a Jenna Ortega, perhaps. <laughs> Absolutely. Wearing pumps that make her taller than him. Also, all three Justin Long characters are different heights. Mm-hmm. Yes, Egghead stands at about a foot and eight. <laughs> um, Coop is like 6'3". He's like hooping. And Melvin is the height of the average man. 5'5". Five, five. That's, that's what's really got him down. He doesn't feel special. He's not tall or short. Yeah, so it sounds like you also dig the track to a decent degree. I like the song well enough it's not one of my favorites. As much as I love the lyric, a little enchanté, a little hey lay <laughs> I really don't like the lyric, a little soya sauce. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's embarrassing. <laughs> You're embarrassed for Russell Mail. <laughs> I would never, ever, under threat of torture, sing the line, unedited, a little soya sauce. In 1981. (laughs) Let's talk about uh, one of your top three that I didn't put on there. Well, as you know, we were supposed to have a guest on to talk about Tips for Teens, but there was a really unfortunate thing that happened. He tripped on Tuesday, and he landed back six Wednesdays ago. Yeah, it's a whole whole thing. It's a whole thing. That's right. It was a hole that opened up in the stairwell in between the first and second floors of our building. Mm -hmm. And we thought that it would just bring him down to the basement, but it actually brought him back in time. And, of course, he didn't know how far back he had gone. I knew it was six Wednesdays ago, but he thought he had been brought back to his younger days. And so now he's slagging off teachers. Shooting spitballs at the blackboard. Big, Big old wompers. Yeah, just letting them womp right up on the blackboard. Big, gross, awful wompers. Big, fat, sticky wompers. But he was the one who put me up on Tips for Teens, originally said that it was his favorite Sparks song. There's something that's incredibly funny about the images in this song. You want to feel better about how you look now as a 13-year-old? Look at this photo of this 90-year-old woman. (laughs) And that's the opening for the album, too. I've got a snapshot of your Aunt Maureen. (laughs) And then, like, he brings it back, like, once more, here's your Aunt Maureen. (laughs) Come on, take another look. 
Just showing him the picture again. <laughs> it's really yeah. funny. And then the little bridge. Is that a burger? Has it got mayonnaise? Yeah, Give it I, to I me. love that. That Whoever's giving the advice. One hates that they're giving advice. I love the lyric. Why do you keep asking me for tips for teens? But yeah, he's just conning you. <laughs> yes. The burger of mayonnaise. Give it to me. Is that an ice cream? Is it vanilla? Give it to me. There's just something very, very funny about this song. And it's really well structured with the little instrumental breakdown with the keyboard lead i think that's really stunning and sparks is notable for being as we've said before a band that has a lot of songs from a child's perspective and you really understand that allegiance when they're doing this song from the adult's perspective and it's so needlessly (laughs) cruel and absurd In um, Edgar Wright's documentary, The Sparks Brothers, uh, comedian April Richardson points something out. It's really funny how she's like, and in the heart of it all, some of these are genuinely good tips for teens. Don't eat the spicy curry before an important date. Tight sweaters won't always fit. Like, that's that's legit. But also he's stealing your burger. (laughs) So... Yeah, great pick. That totally was one of the songs where I was like, damn it, it should be in the top, but I love these others. And oh, curse you, the number three. Um, I had Will- the Willies, Upstairs, Wacky, and yeah. Wacky Women. I, I'd say probably the key standout for me of this record, which is the vocals and the experimentation with them. I wouldn't call it... It's not Devo-y, but it still feels kind of post-punky in the way that, like, he's, like, chanting, Medic! 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 After saying uh, someone's gonna kick you in the bonbons. And as a closer for the album, it feels like I'm falling downstairs, but for some reason I don't mind it. Well, right, they brought you upstairs in the first part of the record, and then they kind of kick you down, right? Yeah, it just feels like I'm plummeting and just the keys and the drums. Like I'm just falling down a spiral staircase while Russell yells medic at me. Definitely a big highlight for me. How'd you feel about it? Oh, we'll get to it when we talk about it. <laughs> oh, bottom three. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but I will say there is one thing that I do like about the song, which is that he kind of introduces himself yeah. in the lyrics. This is Russell, now that I got that out of the way. Everyone, this is Russell. Flex a muscle. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a- funny and unique. Mm-hmm. Sparks is so intertwined with like their storytelling without much of a personal dimension, even something like when I'm with you thinking back on how neither of the brothers have ever married. Yeah. They're great songwriters, but they rarely dip into the personal, at least so bluntly. So to hear Russell saying, hey, this is Russell, yeah. it was kind of new. It was a small nugget of interesting things in a song that I thought was one of those spark songs that I think is purposefully annoying. <laughs> and I will admit that's part of why I like it. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Um, now let's talk about Funny Face, another one that I was like, damn it, not in the top three? Okay. Funny Face is probably the best constructed song that Sparks has done to this point. The story really hooks you from the get-go, and it's just that really funny juxtaposition of wacky instrumentation, but really tragic ending. It's a happy well, ending. Well, okay, yeah, he got his funny face. Yeah. To quickly summarize, yeah, a, a, an actor who at this point cannot stand how handsome he is because truly no one bothers to acknowledge any other element of him. So he (laughs) jumps off a bridge. He isn't dead. He's really happy because his face got busted up and he's got a really funny face now. 
what a fucked idea <laughs> what a it's so funny and like you said it's it, at the end technically happy and a real earworm too yeah. like it, that's a, another super catchy song oh it's so so well produced and the melody is so terrific to the point where when i heard i married a martian a few songs later i was like this seems like it's borrowing a lot from funny face yeah, definitely. And it's kind of like not too slow, not too fast tempo, kind of keeps you on your toes of like, where's this going exactly? Yeah, and I love the way that different lines don't overlap, but they're butted up right next to each other. Yeah. As soon as Russell ends one line, the next line starts immediately after. It creates a really interesting effect that makes you want to pay attention to the lyrics. And as structure goes, I mean, it's some of the most sturdy pop construction that Sparks has ever attempted. And it has, like, their first full-on, like, guitar solo in a minute, too. A nice little riff near the end. I know as, you're not as huge a fan of their guitar heroism. Did you dig the solo as well in that song? I thought the noodling was okay. I mm -hmm. really returned to that song because, like you said, that tempo is really, really pleasurable. That melody that is going on on the keyboard is so infectious. Yeah. And they told a full three-act story across three minutes. It's great narrative songwriting. Some of the best that's out there. Hell yeah. That's a very, very nice note to end our top three segment on. I should think so. We will be right back after this little bit of advertisement. Totally awesome! Isn't Sparks like totally dutical? They're okay. Okay? Twiggy, Sparks is your ultimate favorite group in the whole world. For sure. Hello? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Hopefully not at the same time you go to church. The ultimate promotional boxing match is coming to you. You thought it was crazy when Ron and Russell boxed each other to promote their album Whomp That Sucker. But two people in 2023 are even more desperate. Gib Christensen and Jamie Ogihara are gonna box live on television. Brought to you by... Camo Advil for men. Hollin' Ass Beer. Hollin' Ass. Get over here and drink it. Both Gib and Jamie have been training very long and very hard for this prestigious match. A full two weeks. Gib is being coached by two robots who don't like each other. While he trains them how to fight, he's repairing their long broken friendship for years and learns how to bring some humanity to the robot world and bring a little bit of rationale to the human world. And then learn to kick ass. Jamie will be trained by three clones of Carrot Top. That's it, just three Carrot Top. There's been a lot of talk about the use of props in this boxing match, but rest assured, when it comes down to it, it will be fist upon fist. It is legally stated that neither Carrot Top nor up-and-coming prop comedian Gib Christensen are allowed to bring in any form of wacky objects. No giant chairs, no stupid over-the-top baseball bats, and no silly string, or you will immediately be disqualified from the match. No joy buzzers. No. Anyone who has a joy buzzer will be immediately escorted away from the stadium. Which brings us to the venue. That's right. 
we're at a stadium, because we're building our own. Every other stadium was too chicken to host this display of violence and brutality. Instead, we have propped ourselves up under the highway in downtown Chicago. You'll find us right below the rush hour traffic. We have bought one tent from Target and three boxing gloves and one really long couch. Basically a stadium. The Chase Bank on the corner doesn't know this is happening. Please do not tell them they've reported us before for other events. The people who run the Chase Bank really don't like us. In fact, they find us pretty disgusting and annoying. I once tried to open an account there, and they refused me, claiming I had butt face. I don't think that's in the terms and conditions at all. That's just unfair. I'd, I, modern banking has gone downhill. Can we just talk about the banks? For, but this Sunday, to... Gib Christensen will be making a long-term savings account. He's going to be saving his own hide as he accounts for Jamie being pummeled into the ground. Be there or be square. If you don't have a big enough TV to show this true display of human destruction, then go on down to under the highway, that one with the tent, Sunday, 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 after church or whenever you're free. Get whomped. Okay, bye. And welcome back to Male Living Space, a podcast about sparks. Me, Gib, and they, Jamie. M- me, Jamie. You, Jamie, me, Gib. We have been discussing Sparks' 1981 album, Whomp, that sucker. We got through our top tracks, and so now we go to our bottom three. I already know that one of my top three is in Jamie's bottom three, so let's jump on over to that. Tell me about Wacky Woman. It's a classic male living space thing when Gib talks so complimentary about a track, and I have to go, ooh. My bottom three for Whomp, that sucker are Wacky Women, Where's My Girl, and Susie Safety. Lovely. That's perfect. My bottom three are Susie Safety, actually Don't Shoot Me, and That's Not Nastasia. I had Don't Shoot Me in my third spot before I had Susie Safety. I was thinking about it, but then I went over the lyric again, and I thought the lyric is funny enough for me to keep going. Yeah, that's fair. I definitely do find it funny. It's really more, I think, an instrumental thing. The rest of the album having a nice bit of weirdness, it was like... I liked the twist in the lyrics. Again, I like that Hunter basically getting hunted and again a spark sound kind of possibly getting cucked but yeah besides the lyrics it just didn't really beg for repeated listens i guess is why that's one of the instances don't shoot me where i really felt that the instrumental accompaniment felt pretty dated for 1981 yeah there you go yeah i can definitely agree with that that's probably part of why i didn't like it i was like this doesn't feel like it's part of the progress they're making on this album it does feel like just kind of an older thing yeah but yeah wacky woman go ahead roast wacky woman It's too abrasive to be a really good album closer. (laughs) It's all over the place. I know that Gib has a soft spot for when Sparks plays it fast and loose. What can I say? I'm fast, loose, and fancy free. I know. You're an in-the-future defender. (laughs) And it just grates on me. Wacky Women was the first song I put in my bottom three. I thought the hook was really obnoxious with the vocal stylization of it. 
I thought the cry of medic, medic was really, really obnoxious <laughs> and too goofy to be anything other than achingly embarrassing. <laughs> and the lyrics often get obscured by the vocal things that Russell is doing. That first verse, you can barely understand what he's saying until I looked at the lyric. Yeah, that's definitely fair. This isn't the first time with this record you've used the word embarrassing before. Is that kind of a main feeling you're getting from this record is embarrassment? From its least good moments, because Mm -hmm. overall I have a pretty positive view of the record. There are just certain choices that are being made (laughs) that I have Mm -hmm. issue with. Like, it's not even in my bottom three, but like on something like I Married a Martian, just the way that Russell goes, I Married a Martian. I'm like, good (laughs) heavens. Uh I love I Married a Martian. Listen, it's a great title, (laughs) but it's over four minutes and it doesn't really move anywhere musically. It's not even a bottom track, but there's also things like Susie Safety, where Sparks just seems incapable of writing a song about a positive relationship with a woman. (laughs) This woman, I started to feel really bad for her. Yeah. (laughs) The way that the, the narrator of the song feels as if she's coddling him. Like, no, you idiot. If she wasn't around, you'd die. Yeah, oh, I so agree. Susie Safety's, that's a grating track for me. The chorus of that was just like, oh, I cannot listen to this many more times. The chorus, to me, felt like those sort of really bad kids' YouTube videos where it's like for one-year-olds, <laughs> where it's just yeah. nothing. Just the same thing over and over and over so you could put your kid in front of it for three hours. Yeah, it tries your patience a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But I definitely agree with you on the story where it's like, oh, Susie. <laughs> Damn, I'm sorry. And I get that Sparks loves to do these songs from the asshole's point of view, but after doing it most successfully on Funny Face, where he's an asshole who admits, well, they say I'm ungrateful, I don't mind. Hearing Susie's safety, it just felt like such a step down. Yeah, Uh, that's not Nastasia. Yeah, it's not one of my favorites either. I don't get it. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing where it's like, I think I have a handle on the story. And, like, the story I like, I find it pretty funny. But it's really trying to replicate what I loved about Achu, but not quite getting there. Like, the joke of constant repetition isn't sinking yeah. as much. It's a bit more of like, okay, move it along now. Yeah. But the way I interpreted it was like a famous actress successfully commits crimes because she's so influential that everybody dresses like her and so no one ever finds her and arrests her. Yeah. And like that's funny but kind of like what we were just saying about uh, Mary to Martian the story you get it but after like three fourths in I'd say it's it just kind of stops going anywhere so yeah it, it, yeah, I find it interesting. In, in concept I find it cool. I don't like the hook to that song. Yeah either. me neither. It's like it's not quite gang vocals. It it's not quite chanting, but it's still this weird mix of multiple layers of voices mm-hmm. that just wears kind of thin. And if we are talking about embarrassment, I think the refrain, that's not Nastasia, I think that's a little 
yeah. hokey. <laughs> yeah. To your point about how Susie Safety's hook feels a little bit like a kid's video, that's not Nastasia felt like some sort of segment in a kid's education program yeah. where like, sort of, well, where's Waldo kind no, of No, that's thing. not Nastasia. Like Dora would tell me, like, no, you idiot. That's not Nastasia. That's Nastasia. That's what it is. It felt too much. I was like listening to an episode of Dora, but like an episode where instead of like assuming you quickly got the answer and moving forward, they just keep waiting. Like, no, that's not Nastasia. I keep telling you it's not. Like, I'm just going insane. Weird as hell track, but not in a like entertaining way. More of just why. Yeah. Where's My Girl is probably one of the most forgettable tracks Sparks has done. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that stood out to me was just the opening with like the guitar and keys. And that's only because it made me think, it's not a long take, but it just made me think, if Ron and Russell were a buddy cop duo on a TV show, that would be their theme song. Just the... Like they're pulling up on some sort of art criminal. They're arresting Morrissey. No, my only big positive takeaway from Where's My Girl is I thought the drumming was great. Yeah. I thought their mixing on the drumming, these nice, beefy kicks. I thought those were really, really lovely. But the song as a whole, it's nowhere even close to the standard that Sparks set on the previous track, Funny Face. Yeah, exactly. The track order of this album is really interesting. It starts off with like one single after another, right? Yeah, both songs that got music videos got tips for teens and funnies face but then where's my girl fumbling it up but then upstairs then i married a martian getting a bit slow then we get back to the wheelies it's got a good flow to it at least like even with the slower songs by the time it's over almost partially because of the jarring nature of wacky woman it's like oh it's done yeah do you feel that wacky women makes for a good closer as someone who will sometimes subscribe to the whole like it's funny because it's annoying i do find it a funny ending Mm mm-hmm but I, I don't think I could argue it's, like, musically a great conclusion or anything. It's a reminder that it's like, oh, right, this is definitely one of their kookier albums. I wonder if That's Not Nastasia would be a little more palatable as the album ender. So you have mm. that big collage at the very end that feels very overwhelming. And then that's how you end it yeah, off. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that probably would fix it a little bit. Another like haunting way to end it without being so, like, oh, God, what's happening? Oh, it's over. Right. Okay. I guess I'll go home now. As opposed now. to feeling like there's a bunch of clown cars whizzing on either side of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Imagine a clown car with Ron and Russell. They each have a car and they're driving around you shouting medic at you and you can't get out. Is that hell for you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that... Do you oh have that goodness. nightmare on occasion? <laughs> it's more like the, the Twilight Zone episodes where I look <laughs> on the wing of the plane and there's Russell, and then I go and switch my seat <laughs> to the opposite side of the plane, and then I look through the window, and it's Ron. <laughs> They're both, like, eating away at the wings of the plane. That's, that's really funny, because <laughs> when you said that, I pictured on Russell's side, he's just kind of doing, like, a model pose, like, crossed legs, somehow looking mm-hmm. very elegant despite being on a plane, but then Ron is eating the plane. <laughs> wing <laughs> he's just a feral creature i don't know he's got like the bib on he's got forks <laughs> now that sounds like the cover too i've been thinking about this lately one genre they haven't tried if i could get a good goth rock album from them that would be a funny cover yeah
They never tried a goth rock project? There's some stuff kind of on the new wavy angle, but nothing ever that morbidly dour and nothing bordering on like cure territory. Of course no Smiths because they hate Morrissey. They have a Morrissey diss track further on in their discography so it's like... I'm so excited because I too dislike Morrissey. Oh yeah he's... Oh, no. Morrissey bad. Weird white nationalist get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Johnny Marr has tried so hard to separate from him. It's so funny how it's like everyone just is like let's just hang out with Johnny. He seems cool. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Marr actually plays an instrument. He's not a national. It, it, he just plays guitar and has a bowl cut. That's cool. Yeah. He doesn't make this sound. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's so good. Lovely. Well, that was, I'd say, a great discussion of uh, our top and bottom three tracks. Shall we go into our rating on where it goes on the Sparks Ignitometer? Yes, I think we shall. Okay. Well, Jamie, uh, I think as my opinion is probably a bit more obvious to folks, I'm more curious to hear what is your final take? What's the score? This is the album with Funny Face on it. With the double header opener of Tips for Teens and Funny Face. True. So I've gotta give it up. Already it's in the top half. Of course. Right? For individual moments that are as good as that. The overall sound of the album, on the other hand, sometimes they feel like they're ready for 1981. Other times it feels like they're playing it a little too safe for my tastes. And then there are some times where they're completely off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say that similar to another Sparks album that had a lot of really strong individual moments, but as a whole has some songs that I think are either forgettable or tragically bad. This gets an exposed wire from me. Very nice. Very nice. That's, yeah, I'd say that's pretty much what I expected. Yeah, so I definitely really like this album a lot, but I have to admit that a lot of it comes more from what it followed. It being like, oh, jeez, what a flip. Okay, cool. You care again, right on. Mm -hmm. So that's just a self-contained album, not in a sequence with any others or with no comparison. Yeah, it definitely has some tracks that are just really like, oh, I, I never actively wanted to listen to Susie's Safety again, or That's Not Nastasia. Maybe out of like morbid curiosity to be like, did I forget something? But yeah, so it's got to take it down a little bit for that. But still, even out of that whole context, I still had a fun time listening to it a lot. So I would put it firmly in aerosol can. They're on their way back to being great, great, but still, you know, a work in progress with this comeback. So the same ratings for introducing Sparks. Oh, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, following our Ignitometer rating is the final segment for the episode. You've got mail. You've got mail. Or somehow constantly active fan mail segment where we read various messages, sometimes uh, reviewed before getting to us, sometimes just, you know, Delivered by a pigeon in the moment. You know, we're fast and loose. We're loosey-gooseys. Susie Safety's loosey-gooseys. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that... Oh, okay, there we go. I was wondering. I thought, I was like, I did, did I maybe not get a letter this time for even Jamie? No, I got a letter. It's just, I'm used to, I'm used to bird deliveries. Uh, this one's a squirrel delivery. Still for you. Still for oh. you. The postal service is still fucking up. But uh, this time it seems to be a little squirrel buddy who delivered the mail. Oh, 
Oh, I think I know him. He's wearing a he's wearing a hat, right? Yeah, a little a, a little tiny bucket hat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's the guy you used to have a. That's MC Nuts. That's MC Nuts. You two used to have a, a Beastie Boys cover band. That's right. Yeah, the second Beastie Boys. Yeah, the second Boys. Beastie Boys. You insisted yeah. on being folk punk. Didn't work, but I I enjoyed it. Uh, anyway, low. That is the tempo. <laughs> oh my. Okay, we may want to uh, cut out a little bit of what some of the shit talking we've been doing you got a letter from Susie safety oh yeah actually well we didn't shit talk her more of the song but um let's see what's Susie got to say to you oh i guess it's just a bunch of safety tips for you you specifically it says on the bottom gib can't use these so i guess oh. we'll enforce that Wait, no, this is interesting because a little pig in a cape just waddled up and spit out a letter by my feet was it oinkers mccafferty he's got a name tag mm-hmm Yes, yes, it's Lucas <gasps> McCafferty. I remember you and him had a ludicrous tribute oh, act. Oh, right. Yeah, we really, really liked the bit in Simpsons where uh, he was Crest sponsor Ludicrest, so we've decided to cover his entire discography and make it all about toothpaste. Yes, that's right. Well, this letter here says, Hi, Boys Life magazine. I am writing because I am a 17-year-old, a real one, and I have a few tips for teens that Gib can use, but Jamie can't. Oh. So maybe what would be best is if you rattled off a safety tip for me, and I rattled off a teen tip for you. Oh, sounds great. Okay, I'll start with a tip from Susie. This is an interesting one. No food is safe unless it has frosting on it. Oh. Well, I guess it's safe for you, so you, you, you just um, now have to put frosting on everything. Yes. All right, here's a teen tip for you. Count your teeth every night before you go to bed, because you never know if one falls out and you're getting <laughs> stiffed. <laughs> oh, that's a good tip, because, you know, you know me. I still have baby teeth still growing. I still have loose teeth popping out. That's right, oh, you lovely. do. Okay, so what other safety things? Oh, whoa, whoa! Ah! It says here... The wind is mean, so if it's a windy day outside, make sure to wear three ponchos, two pairs of gloves, one professional poker player head visor, and a wool turtleneck over all that. Can you do that? Well, my poker head visor is still at the cleaners, but everything else I think I pretty much have at the moment. Sorry, so this is in winter, right? Does she clarify the season? No, well, it just says here anytime it's windy out. Oh, anytime there is wind. <laughs> anytime there's a measurable amount of wind outside, it's okay. not safe to go outside without all of those layers of clothing for you. All right. Well, thank you very much, Susie. I am outside of Chicago at the moment, right, so right. I don't have to worry about the wind too much. But if I ever am in a similarly windy city, I will definitely be putting on all of the layers that you suggested. All right. Got another team tip for you. Ooh. The world inside the mirror is not the same as yours, and you must not treat it as one. For the dark one exists within not only your reflection, but the reflection of your family. And every time I try to run headfirst into it, it breaks and I have to buy a new mirror. That's so right. So maybe the dark one is the one who's plunging you into debt. Yeah, all my mirror debt. Oh my god. Yes, and all your bad luck. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. Okay, let's see. Susie has one more safety tip for you. Okay. It just says, see Bubble Boy. 
the film. Do that. Do you, are you aware of the, the Boy in the Bubble, the John Travolta film? No, oh, oh, no, the Jake Gyllenhaal early two thousands comedy. Oh, okay. No, oh, you know what? It's because so the last teen tip is see the Boy in the Bubble starring John Travolta. <laughs> oh, I think our tip giving person and our safety advice giving person. I think they're a bit confused. I think they hang out. I thought they didn't know each other, but I think they're just messing with us. Please reprint these tips in your magazine for young mm-hmm. people. Thank you very much. Love the show. Sincerely yours, Owen, age 17. P.S. Susie, will you go to prom with me? Uh, and at the end of my letter, it says, it's from Susie, P.S. No, I have to go fishing on prom. Can't do it. But it also says that, sadly, Susie will not be covering all of the stuff, Jamie, you will need to buy for these these safety things like all the coats yeah. and the, the poncho but but you do get a shirt that is very not your size with Susie on it oh has she autographed it or it's or it's her face it's her face uh mid wolfing down a pizza oh that's great thank you so much yeah it's really good Susie <laughs> well that has uh, been another thrilling perplexing and overall strange segment of you've got mail And if you want to be a listener who gets their mail read on the show during our infamous You've Got Mail segment, you can by leaving a review on the podcast app of your choice. That's Apple Podcasts, that's the Google Play Store, so on and so forth. We love to read your comments, we love to read your reviews, and no matter what your review is, we will read it on air as long as it comes with an accompanying rating. Thank you all very much for listening to the show and showing your support online. Feel free to subscribe to get a notification whenever there's a new episode on whatever your streamer of choice. We are looking into other forms of notification if you're a bit more off the grid. If you would prefer sort of a uh, shifty drifter with no name but a podcast to share, we can send a guy. If you prefer more of a delivery animal, like we've been getting some of our letters, you may qualify for a badger. Yes, the badger will annoy you into listening to the newest episode. It will badger you to its heart's content. Uh, and... But for those of you who are living on the grid, in the grid, you can follow us on Instagram. Mail Living Space Podcast. That's M-A-E-L. Additionally, you can find both of us online. Isn't that correct? That is correct, yeah. You can find me, Gib the Blue One, on Instagram at Gib who talks sometimes. I do other comedy things. I've got a lifestyle brand, G Lifestyle Brand, to uh, teach you how to live your life the right way. And just various stand-up-y things that you can keep up with me on. Jamie, how can people find you? What you got going on? People can find me on Instagram at jamiebaby3000. I'm not posting on Instagram, but I am posting on threads, bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to date the episode. Hell, today. yeah. Get in our Google Plus circle. (laughs) Find our Pinterest board. What is the next album that we will be reviewing? Next month, we will be covering Sparks' 1982 album, Angst in My Pants. The very album that we got the cover for uh, our show from. With uh, Ron and Russell posing in the uh, tux and wedding dress. So, look forward to that. I'm so excited. Me too. And now, for your listening pleasure and ours, six legally allowable seconds of the music of Sparks. See you next month for the next one. Bye. Bye. Besides Billy Boy. Upstairs.